This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to thank God's Word. Go with me to the Gospel according to Mark. Chapter number 10, the gospel according to Mark, chapter number 10. And we'll begin reading in verse number 13, the gospel according to Mark, chapter number 10. And we come now this morning to verse number 13. The Bible says, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them, and bless them. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are so grateful that we can come together with your people, and we can come together in your presence, and that we can be encouraged, that we can be instructed, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us through the Holy Scriptures, and we pray that our hearts would receive your word and that our wills would be made to respond to your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, in verses 13 through 16, just a short passage that we'll look at this morning, there's a lot that's happening. We find that the Lord Jesus has a number of children who are brought to him. And those who have brought the children to Jesus are seeking his blessing. As they bring these children to Jesus to seek his blessing, they are met with the rebuke of the disciples. And at the rebuke of the disciples, we read that Jesus is much displeased. I think it would be a very difficult thing position to be in to have the son of God much displeased with us but here he is much displeased we don't read throughout the passages of the gospel records where Jesus is much displeased very often and so I think it's important for us to note that here he is much displeased and he rebuked his disciples admonishing them to, as he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. We read this passage tells us that he gladly received these children. He took them up in his arms and he blessed them. And so what is it that the Lord has for us in these verses? Well, I think we understand a number of truths that uh, come to us in these verses we find here that God is concerned about 
the family. God is concerned about the family. As we read in verses 1 through 12, God is concerned about marriage. And now as we come to verses 13 through 16, we find that he is concerned not only about marriage, but he's concerned about children and their relationship to him. And so we see that God is concerned about the family. Here the Lord Jesus Christ is in the closing days of his earthly life and ministry. It will not be very long before he enters into Jerusalem uh, for the final week of his earthly life. And upon the precipice of his death, he pauses to impart to us teaching and truths concerning our families, our marriages, and our children. And so I think it is important that we take note of what he said because he is concerned about the family, but not only is he concerned about the family, primarily this morning, I want you to understand that he is concerned about your family. He's concerned about your family. And uh, in this passage, uh, we read of the value that the Lord places upon children. We read of his love for them. We read of his willingness to receive them and his instruction to adults concerning these children. Aren't you glad we have instructions? It would be good if we followed them, wouldn't it? I tell my children often that the most difficult thing I have to do is be a parent, not because they're difficult children, but because they have a difficult dad. They have a wonderful mother, but they have a difficult dad. It is very difficult to be a parent. And here the Lord imparts to us truths that we need to take note of. And not only does he give us truths concerning children, but he gives us finally here a lesson for all who would come to him for salvation. And we just heard a wonderful song, a song of testimony about salvation. I got saved. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you been saved? Do you know that if you died today that heaven is your home? Friend, that's the most important question you will ever ask yourself. It is, a one, it is a question that will impact your eternal destiny. And I implore you, if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have never trusted him and never called upon him, I want to implore you today to come unto Jesus. And I got some good news for you. Just like he received these children and took them up in his arms, he will receive you and he will take you up in his arms and give you a home in heaven and you will forever be with the Lord. So I want us to note some truths that we find in this passage. Number one, if you'll write some things down, I encourage you to do that. Number one, we see that children must be brought to Jesus. Children must be brought to Jesus. Notice what we read again in verse 13. And they brought young children to him. The love of a parent for a child is a love that is unknowable until it has been experienced. It's something that you can hear people talk about, but until you have experienced it, until your own child has been born, you really cannot know the love that you have for that child. I've discovered that's even true with your grandchildren. 
I've been told that there's nothing like grandchildren. And I got to tell you, there's nothing like grandchildren. To explain that to people who have not experienced that, it's very difficult. But there is a way in which God fills the heart of a mother and the heart of a father with love that they have not known or experienced once they become a parent. It's a love that brings great joy, doesn't it? To see your children. It's a love that causes us to nurture them and invest in them. It is a love that that brings out the best in us and causes us to give of our time and our energy and our resources for the good of our child. That's that kind of love that parents have for their children. But it's it's also a love that causes us to be concerned. It's a love that causes us to be watchful. It is a love that often brings heartache to our souls. When we think of our children, we think of how greatly we love them. What a wonderful thing it is to be a parent and to minister to the needs of these children. There's, there's nothing that they need that we obviously do not want to uh, supply them with. We may not always have the opportunity to, but we're, we're endeavoring to do it. Of all the needs that our children have, let me tell you the greatest need that they have. The greatest need that any child has is to be saved. The greatest need that any child has is to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And so we find here in this passage a group of people, we believe many of them, of course, were the parents, but Perhaps some of them were siblings. We're, we're not sure. That's not really described to us. And so it could encompass a number of people who were bringing children to Jesus. This morning, you may be a parent or a grandparent. You may be an aunt or an uncle. You may be uh, just a, a concerned church member laboring in the children's ministry or in the bus ministry or working in the Sunday school departments, let me tell you, the greatest thing that we can do for any child is bring them to Jesus. And as a church, we need to understand God's heart for children. His heart is revealed to the disciples here in this passage. And we need to understand God's desire for children is that they all, every one of them, be brought to him. And that's why this morning... Over in the education building, there are a number of children who've ridden Sunday school buses and uh, other children who have come in with parents today who are in the children's service and a service for young people. They're here because we understand the need to bring them to Jesus. And may God help us to continue in that effort. So we, I think, agree this morning that Children must be brought to Jesus. Now, I want you to note a few things about that. These children were brought to Jesus by those who loved them and who knew that the Lord Jesus could bless them. If we know their greatest need is for the Lord, then don't we understand that only he can meet that need? And therefore, if we love them, the greatest thing that we can do for them is bring them into his presence. His parents 
with so many things that we do for our kids, may we not neglect the greatest thing that we can do for our kids, and that is to bring them to Jesus. And to have the confidence and the faith that if we will bring our children to Jesus, that Jesus can touch them and he can bless them. That's why they wanted to get their children to Jesus. Because they wanted his hand of blessing upon their lives. You know, these children that we find here in this passage were living in a difficult day. Uh, Most of them likely lived to see the destruction of the temple and the besiege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. That event was going to happen in their lifetime. They were living in difficult days. The times of their lives were marked by political and religious instability. Well, we know a little bit about instability in our society today, do we not? The Romans oppressed them. The Roman government occupied Jerusalem and they oppressed them. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they burdened them. They, they placed demands upon them. They, they laid heavy burdens upon them that they themselves, Jesus said, that the Pharisees themselves intended that they would not lift themselves. But they were all too glad to place burdens upon the citizens and upon the children of Jerusalem of that day. The Romans oppressed them. The Pharisees burdened them. The Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees who believed there was no heaven. The Sadducees who were the theological liberals of the day. They robbed those children of their hope. All you have to live for is this world. One of the leading atheists of our day has written a book that he has specifically targeted an audience and that audience that audience that he has targeted is young people he wants to deliver them from the bondage of knowing god he's robbing them of their hope the herodians seduced them the disciples overlooked them but jesus loved them That's why we've got to get the children to Jesus. Parents, get your children to Jesus. Get get your children to him. Now, we note here that they brought young children to him. Therefore, I, I think it's important that we note this. We need to start early. We need to start early. You can't start too early, by the way. We need to start early. The Bible says he, they brought young children. This includes babies. When he took them up in his arms, he had the babies and the infants and the toddlers. We also understand that uh, there's a wide variance of children that can come to Jesus. But here we find that there is no time that is too early to start bringing our children to Jesus. From the moment that we understand that they've been conceived through the moments of their birth and all the days of their lives, we as parents have a responsibility to bring our children to Jesus. And Charles Spurgeon said, no ground is more prepared for the good seed than that which as yet has not been trod down as the highway, nor has been as yet overgrown with thorns. 
Not yet has the child learned the deceits of pride, the falsehoods of ambition, the delusions of worldliness, the tricks of trade, the sophistries of philosophy, and so far as it has an advantage over the adult. In any case, the new birth is the work of the Holy Spirit, and he can easily work upon youth as upon age. What is Spurgeon saying here? He's saying this, start while they're young while their hearts are tender, while they have not experienced the grossness of immorality and the seduction of the world before their hearts have been hardened by the philosophies that deny the existence of God in these precious years, get your children to Jesus. In his commentary, Kent Hughes quotes a study that happened some years ago as a result of a Gallup survey. And in that study, he says that 19 out of 20 people who became Christians did so before the age of 25. At age 25, one in 10,000 will become believers. At 35, one in 50,000. At 45, one in 200,000. At 55, one in 300,000. And at 75, one in 700,000 become Christians. We need to reach them early. He goes on to say, what a call for parents, young people, Bible school teachers, and club workers to keep at it. Can I encourage you to keep at it? Can I, can I just take a moment to say to the Tabernacle Baptist Church, let's keep at it. I, I, I want to tell you, these ministries that we endeavor to, 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 to carry out to, with a purpose, and let me, let me remind you of the purpose. The purpose is that the children would know God as their Savior that their sin would be forgiven, that they would have a home in heaven, that they would understand the truths of God's Word, that they would learn to live a life that is in line with the truths of God's Word so that they can experience the blessings of God. We want them to come to Jesus, and we want Him to touch them, and we want Him to bless them. That's what we're involved in a Christian school ministry for. That's what we're involved in Sunday school, Pat's the Pirate on Wednesday night all the bus ministry effort, everything that we're endeavoring to do, we're endeavoring to do it to bring children to Jesus. Let's keep at it. I'm so thankful that after years of praying and, and, and seeking opportunity, the Lord has allowed us to at least have a presence at Lenore Ryan. I don't know what God will do through that but I'm excited to think about the possibilities. And I hope you'll pray, and I hope you'll labor. I hope you'll help us. Let's stay at it. Oh, the devil will try to discourage us and, and tell us that it is to no avail, but may God help us to be faithful. They brought young children to him, and they started early. Listen, bring those children, bring those babies to church. Bring them to church. You say, well, it's so difficult. Well, let me just tell you, it's not going to get any easier. Because when they're 12 and 13, they're going to find other things they want to do. 
And so let, let me encourage you, let's be faithful. Let's not quit. Let's stay at it. They brought young children to him. Another thing that we see here is that those who will seek to bring children to Jesus will be met with opposition. Did you think everybody was going to be happy that you're trying to get children to come to church? The Bible says that these disciples in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 13, they rebuked those that brought them. The word rebuke means to reprimand. And we find the verb that is used is in the imperfect tense, suggesting that the disciples continued to rebuke them. So we get the picture, Jesus is here and the disciples are around him and here come parents bringing their children and others perhaps, maybe aunts and uncles, grandparents, perhaps siblings and they're bringing their little brothers and sisters and they're bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples see it and the disciples said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh no, 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 we can't have that. He's too busy to see you. He has bigger things to do. And this is given in the imperfect tense, implying therefore that these disciples were not successful in their efforts to keep the children from Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means the parents didn't give up in the face of opposition. Do you know what I, th I think is, is so difficult for us as parents? Is to just stay at it. Day in, day out. When it seems that there are no results, when it seems that all the world is against us, when, our se when it seems that our children have no interest, when, when it seems that they're not getting it, may God help us in the face of opposition to continue to bring our children and to bring the children of this community to Jesus. Because if there's one thing that Satan will work against in your life, in this church, in this community, it is that children would come to know Jesus as their Savior. So those who will seek to bring children to Jesus will be met with opposition. There's a final thing I, I see here in this point, and that is this. I want you to note the ways that we may bring our children to Jesus. Note the ways that we can bring our children to Jesus. Number one, pray for them. Pray for them. The greatest thing that we can do for our children is to pray for them. May God help us to be faithful to do that. I think of Abraham praying for his nephew Lot and for Lot's children. They were living in Sodom, and the angel was going into Sodom to destroy the city. And Abraham, the Bible said, stood yet before the Lord, and he interceded on behalf of his nephew. Oh, friend, the greatest thing we can do for our children is to bring them to God in prayer. I read just this week a quote that a preacher had made. He said, perhaps if you're having trouble with your children, you should talk less to them about God and more to God about them. Now, while we should definitely speak to our children about God, it is more imperative that we speak to God about our children. And so many times in my flesh, I try to coerce and impress upon my children the things that they need to do. 
I get so weary and so frustrated at times. And then the Lord reminds me, I can do nothing, but he can do everything. And friend, maybe you find yourself in that position today. Don't quit bringing your children to Jesus. Pray for them. Here's a second way that I can bring my children to Jesus. I can teach them God's word. Do you know in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were to be taught the law, when they were to be taught the commandments of God, that is, this is what God requires of you, this is what God will do for you, he will bless you if you live a life of obedience to you. He loves you. He has a great plan for your life. Do you know who was supposed to teach that to those children? Their parents. Their parents. Sure, the priests were there, the Levites were there, and they were to help the parents. But the primary responsibility for teaching our children the truths of God's word belongs to us. Now, it's hard to teach so much if we only know so little. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us to know God's word and study it for ourselves. Spurgeon said this, he said, as we sow, we reap. Let us expect our children to know the Lord. Let us from the beginning mingle the name of Jesus with their ABCs. Let them read their first lessons from the Bible. It is a remarkable thing that there is no book from which children learn to read so quickly as from the New Testament. There is a charm about that book which draws forth the infant mind. But, oh, dear friend, let us never be guilty as parents of forgetting the religious training of our children. For if we do, we may be guilty of the blood of their souls. How do I bring my children to Jesus? I pray for them. I teach them the word of God. Here's the third thing. It's simple. It's obvious. I take them to church. I take them to church. You know, it's a funny thing. I, I remember after each of our children were born, my wife said, we've got to go to the doctor. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's time for their checkup. Oh, is something wrong? No, they just have to have a checkup. Aren't you glad I'm married to a smart woman? My kids are particularly glad. There's a checkup. It happens periodically. I don't know if it's a three-month or a six-month, but there's a checkup. And they're examined by the physician. We take them there because we want to ensure that their health is good and that if there's a problem that it's treated, it's caught early, and it's treated. So we take them to the doctor. When they're old enough, we take them to school because we want them to learn. We want them to have an education. Oftentimes, we take them to practice. I can remember taking my kids to a number of practices, piano lessons and athletic endeavors because we want them to have a full and blessed life. We, we take them to practice. We take them to school. We take them to the doctor. We take them to entertainment venues. And you say, why do you do all that? 
Because I love my kids. Well, then what's the most important thing we can take them to? To church. To church. We need to take our children to church. It's funny to me how we can find the power and the strength to get them everywhere else they need to be. But we have such a difficulty getting them to church. May we not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more. My kids don't need fewer meetings, fewer sermons, fewer lessons from God's word. They need more and more exposure to Jesus. Take them to church. Here's the fourth thing. How can I bring my children to Jesus? Pray for them. Teach them God's word. Take them to church. Be faithful. Be faithful. Train them up, number four. Train them up. You know what it means to train somebody? It means to get along there beside them and show them how to do it. It means to show them how to do it. I remember when I was employed by UPS and I went into the hub and I met a guy named Albert and he was a very friendly man. And he said, I'm the training supervisor. I'm going to show you how to do your job. And he did. He taught me how to do it. He didn't just tell me how to do it. He demonstrated it. You know what often we do as parents? We spend so much time telling our kids what to do, and so little effort is made in showing them what to do. And by the way, the way that we live our lives, the way that we live on a daily basis is the way that we train them. And so, friend, may God help us to learn to train our children. I remember when my kids got jobs, I said, okay, you got a job. You got an income. You know what you do with a tenth of that income? You tithe. You give it to the Lord. Let me show you how to do it. You find out what you made. You find out what your gross was. Ten percent of that is, belongs to God. It's the tenth. It's the tithe. It belongs to the Lord. I was, I, I was trained to do that. My, mo- my mother and my father trained me how to do that, and it's, it's incumbent upon me to train my children to do that. When you come to church, you take your Bible. You open the Bible. Now, I, I got work to do there, I'm going to tell you. But so do you. We have to train them. Let's get our family together. Let's read the Bible. Tell me, what you, tell me what God is saying there. What am I doing? I'm encouraging my child to think about what the Bible says, and I'm encouraging them to learn to speak about what God has said. I'm training them. When we go to church, we prepare. I'm training them. And so may God help us not to just tell them what they ought to do, but to train them to demonstrate it in our daily living. 
children must be brought to Jesus. Number two, children must be blessed by Jesus. Children must be blessed by Jesus. Do you remember when Nicodemus in John chapter 3, perhaps you don't remember it because you haven't heard this before, but there was a man who came to Jesus in John chapter 3. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a religious man. He was a religious man, but he wasn't a saved man. He, he knew there was a God, and he, he wanted to please God. He just didn't know how to do it. So he came to Jesus by night, and Jesus said this to him. He said, you must be born again. You, you want to get to heaven, Nicodemus? You want your sins forgiven? You've learned already, Nicodemus, that you can't do enough good to bring peace to your soul and receive forgiveness in the eyes of God. You've learned, Nicodemus, that you, like the rich young ruler who we're going to read about in a few days, uh, you, like him, have, uh, have, you lack one thing. What is it? You must be born again. Uh, someone asked the famous evangelist years ago, why are you always preaching from this text, you must be born again? And he said, it is because you must be born again. You see, if you're not born again, then when you die, you will perish in the lake of fire for all eternity. And God, our Father, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he sent his son to die on the cross for you, to make the payment for your sin. And if you will receive him as the son of God, the risen Savior who died on the cross for your sin, if you will confess your sin to him, he will take you up and he will bless you. He will touch your life and he will bless you. You see, when Jesus saw these disciples, how they sent the children away, the Bible said he was much displeased. It, it really displeased him. And we find here that we are not to hinder children and parents from coming to Jesus. We are to help them. You know, it's easy to look around at some of the messes kids make and think about the effort that goes into it. And especially as we get older and our patience wears thin, it's really easy for us to be dismissive of these precious little children. And so Jesus reproves his disciples here. You know, here's what we find. The disciples, they did it not because they were mean. They did it because they thought their master, as John Phillips wrote, they thought that their master was far too important to be bothered with small children. But Jesus, by contrast, thought that small children were too important not to be brought to him. Oh, do we see children the way the Lord sees them? Well, may we not look at them as a nuisance. May God help us not to hinder them but to help them. They must be brought to Jesus. Spurgeon says this, he said, remember that however young they are, there is a stone within the youngest breast, and that stone must be taken away or be the ruin of the child. That stone is the stone of sin. 
and we must bring our children to Jesus. They must be blessed. And the Bible says that he took them up in his arms. He touched them, and he blessed them. Let me give you the third thing. And it's really a lesson for all of us. Uh, We see here, number one, that children must be brought to Jesus. Uh, We see here, secondly, that children must be blessed by Jesus. And then we see, finally, as children, you must believe on Jesus. You see, the Lord is not only... He's not only demonstrating to this disciple or this group of disciples here, he's not only demonstrating to them how much he loves children, but he's going to demonstrate through them how much he loves us all. Notice it in verse 15. Mark chapter 10. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. You said, look at these children. You see how they come to me? That's the way you have to come to me. And I've got good news for you. Jesus will receive all who will receive him. The question, friend, is not will he receive you. The question is will you receive him? And in order for you to do so, Jesus said, you must be willing to be as a little child. Let me just read this to you. I've really enjoyed reading Spurgeon on on this passage. And he says, the little child has no prejudices. He has no preconceived theories nor opinions it cannot give up. His mind, his heart, it's just a blank canvas. It hasn't been stained by the world. It hasn't been, it hasn't, his mind hasn't been clouded by all the doubts and all the difficulties of life. No, he, his heart and mind, it's, it's a blank canvas. Here's what he said. It believes what Jesus says. <laughs> I remember as a seven-year-old boy, I heard the gospel. And you know what I did? I believed it. I believed that Jesus, the Son of God, died for me. I believed that he rose from the dead. And I believed that if I would call on him, he would save me. And that day I did. And he saved me. You see, as a little child, I received Jesus as my Savior. And he received me. He took me up. He touched me, and oh, how he has blessed me, and oh, how he will bless me throughout the ages to come, and oh, how he will receive you and touch you and bless you if you will just simply come to him in faith, believing as a little child. The Spurgeon said, you must come in the same way to learn of Christ. I fear you know a great deal. Throw it out the window. You have made up your mind about a great many things. Unmake your mind and be as wax to the seal. Be pliable. Be melted by Jesus. 
As a little child believes the unquestioning faith which makes everything vivid and real, believe just so. The child believes in all humility, looking up to its teacher and receiving its teacher's word as decisive. Believe in Jesus just so. Say, Lord, I'm a know-nothing. I come to you to be taught. I am nothing. Be you my all in all. This past week in Florida, we were traveling down a road that we had traveled over 20 years ago. And we passed a place where our family had been on vacation. My daughter Kaylee was two when we stayed there. I can still see her as a two-year-old on the edge of the swimming pool. You know what she wanted to do with all her heart? She wanted to jump in. It was hot. It's Florida, man. You're at a nice place with a nice pool. Don't you want to go swimming? Oh, yeah. Jump in. No, I'm afraid I'll drown. I'm afraid I'll go under. Oh, but wait a minute. I'll catch you. If you'll just jump, I'll catch you. Don't you trust me? Don't you believe that I won't let anything happen to you? If you'll just jump, if you'll just take a step, if you'll just come to me, you won't go under. And I remember when she did and oh, the fun we had. Jesus, with open arms, says to you, forget it. Forget about the danger. Forget about your fear. Forget about yourself. Forget about what people will think about you. Forget about your status in life and your standing. And humble yourself as a little child and come to me and I will receive you. I will take you in my arms. I will touch you. I will bless you. I will give you a home in heaven. And nothing will ever separate you from my love. No man will ever be able to pluck you out of my hand. If you will receive me, I will receive you. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.